Enkel, the Dubel, the Triple, and the Quad. They're all uniquely different, well-balanced, well-made. We are not allowing it to be broken apart and sold separately. you got to buy the four-packs. I, I would actually say grab two four-packs. One, uh, <laughs> one so you can drink it now and one so you can drink it now, after a Now, you're a real year, genuine so. promoter, Alex. Why do you like that? You know? <laughs> Don't stop I, short of the full deck. You know? <laughs> I, I, I'm just a man who uh, likes to do collect beers. Do I look like beers. I could carry more beer home? <laughs> yes, I can. Pile yes, it on. Yes, yes. <laughs> Cheers. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast, powered by Shepherd Express. And folks, we got a great one for you. This is part two of our interview with Randy Sprecher, pioneer of craft brewing in Wisconsin and Milwaukee in particular. I'm sitting down with Andy for the interview. Andy, what did this interview with Randy Sprecher mean for you? Well, I'll tell you, Alex. Randy was like a family member you don't see too often. One that has a bottomless well of knowledge of the craft brewing industry from its beginnings, literally, to where it is today. It seems like he forgot more about brewing than most people will ever know. I, I mean, that's that's the sort of knowledge and, and the sort of scientific background that, that that we came out of that first part of our interview with. And I mean, the knowledge he dropped on all of us in, in episode one was phenomenal. We'll have to see where it takes us now into uh, tasting when he took us back to their cooler with all their aged beers, just to see where things went after all this time. Yeah, I would say if you haven't listened to uh, episode one, we're not saying you have to run back and listen to it, but it's encouraged. <laughs> I would maybe go check it out because Randy Sprecher is just a wealth of knowledge, like Andy said. But this is the really fun part of the interview. When we got into more of the beers, more of the tastings, more of the uh, the descriptions of what we should be tasting with some of these beers, we got into the the bourbon barrel aged stouts. I mean, we got into uh, you're in for a fun fun one with the duck. <laughs> and then, like you said, we we got into basically like you know the cellar cooler, uh, as Jim called it. We're going to be tasting on this episode some beers that you just don't normally get to taste. Most people don't necessarily put away stouts for seven, eight years. But that's what we're up against. Definitely interesting. Randy had some interesting insights on to where he thought the beer that he's ultimately responsible for has gone over all this time. I would say, Alex, let's let him sit back, relax, listen to the rest of our uh, four-hour adventure we had with uh, Randy Sprecher on a random Tuesday night. Absolutely. So here we go with part two with Randy Sprecher, the man, the myth, the legend. Cheers, guys. Cheers. And we're back. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast. We have a special tasting right now. Uh, for our listeners, it's been a week. For us, it's been about 10 minutes. No, it's been <laughs> two minutes, two minutes. About two minutes. So we're, we're still here. We're still here with Randy Sprecher. We're drinking some crazy beers now. We, you know, we've gone off the road. <laughs> we're we're getting into some some of the fun stuff. So yeah, I uh, think we can do a mix here of, uh, of what's left: IPA, which is a British style; the Abbey Triple, which is the biggest growth item we have this year; oh, the Magnum PA for you hop guys. We're Magnum all, hops. We're all big we're hop, all guys. hop guys. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the first one. Yeah, so we, we talked about this one earlier. This was the uh, the Czar Brew. So this is the bourbon barrel aged Imperial Stout. What are you guys tasting compared to some of the other Imperial Stouts that we've had on the program? I don't know if it's because I did not clean this off, but it's a weird nose on this. I don't know, Jim, do you do you pick that up or? Yeah, it's definitely, um, I don't know if I'm getting part the barrel, I think. Yeah, some of the barrel different yeah it's it's on it's user error i did not clean my glasses (laughs) (laughs) but it's definitely got a different base stout flavor than uh normally to me the barrel's not overpowering but you get it (laughs) Uh, it's definitely there yeah hazus was drinking the uh the apple pie out of that glass (laughs) also also delicious your brew is uh very much like an apple (laughs) (laughs) it's weird yeah, that's user error. <laughs> that's user error. I, I apologize. We got to rinse that glass. We, uh, you need a rinse here. I guess as a taste, though, it's it's smooth. I like it. The nose is it's, it's really complex. Well, to me, it's uh, still way too cold to get all of it by any means. Oh, really? It, it is. Oh, wait. It should be almost room, yeah, room, room, 60 room temperature. temperature right? 50 mm-hmm. by 60, I'd say, for this kind of product. Wow. Well, we talk about the weight of molecules, you know. The bigger flavor, a bigger weight, but they don't have the volatility, so they're not going to get up in the bouquet section. That's all your lighter molecules and more volatile things, you know. And so it's it's like like a good wine. Smaller sippings is really really critical here. You you can't take too small a taste and let it sit there and warm up in your palate so it gets the right profile. And when did you start doing this one? You know, we were one of the first in the country to do bourbon barrels by far. Really? Yeah. Okay. We just never talk about. It. We're not, we're really bad at advertising and promotions and sales. <laughs> <laughs> we're really good. At, we, we think we're pretty good at dialing in recipes. <laughs> you can't This has a lot of different flavors in this thing. I'm getting things from chocolate and cherry and wood and... I even get a little bit of raisin on the back end. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about the barrel age, like your program, I guess. Uh, where do you get your barrels from? Uh, when did you start? You said you've been at it for a while. Quite a while. Probably almost 10 years. Well, almost 10 years, I think. Maybe before that, but the, the hard root beer was way before that. It was almost a fight here. I called it Triple X so I could sell it only in growlers from the brewery because we didn't have it you know, to go outside on labels. So when did you first start doing the, the hard I, root I'm going to be honest with you. I, I got to get a hold of somebody and, and get this figured out, but I think it's been. It's definitely eight, nine years ago. Uh, we were doing just the root beer and the bourbon barrel. It would really jump the numbers on the ethanol <laughs> it was such a delicious dessert thing oh, it had such a bouquet you asked about the barrels no we don't want to tell you about the barrels because everyone's <laughs> fighting for barrels however we never paid a fraction anybody else paid we found we just went around the world guys down down in kentucky we found a little outfit family multiple generation bourbon makers that just loved our root beer they couldn't get enough <laughs> now when you get down to some of these kind of backwood places they drink their soda and stuff through black licorice whips <laughs> they're all about wow that's hardcore right. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that you know they do all kinds of different things you wouldn't think think about and so we started trading with them so we paid them a little bit and we got the barrels and they got a whole pile of root beer and then we started making some hard root beer for them and sent it down and oh my god they went nuts so we started getting more and more deals we got we never i told our guys uh, from my experience in the west coast and what was happening here with too many breweries and cutting into the the business of uh, dividing the pie is to make more and more strong stuff so we got all kinds of new things coming forward first was this i want I'm jumping from barrel aging to what we have new. These malt duck, a fun beer, not serious beer. 
<laughs> nice beer with hard-pressed Concord grapes, pressed hard to get the skin into it, some tannins and so forth. And we'll, we're going to have a little taste of that to finish because we're going to consider that the final dessert thing because it is a little on the sweet side. And then we have this quad pack, the, the one, two, three, four Belgian. So the ankle, the double, the triple, and the quad. And you've had the quad. Some of you already know about the triple. It's been a really strong one. And the triple is another difficult beer to make to come out right. It's, uh, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of screwing around. I would say the triple, the, hard, the harder beers to make are going to be the Hefeweiz, a nice pills, and a triple. These are these are more difficult beers to get in the right profile that, that people are looking for or what they enjoy. Yeah, because there's nowhere to hide your flaws, right? When you make a beer of these styles, if you screw up, it's going to show in your beer. Well, it would show obviously even more so in a domestic light product because right. they have. And quite, I'm going to take this time to say, do do give credit for all the big brewers of the nation and around the world. They have unbelievable expertise and technology. They do more with little than you can imagine how, how little they use to get such good results. And the consistency is really the big thing. Their hallmark is making the same product out of many different plants. And that gets to be a real issue. We talked about water a little bit, and that becomes a challenge. So now we're talking about making up. What did we get here? This was the... Uh, well, before we move on to Amber, I just want to talk about the bourbon or the yeah, barrel yeah. aged. So you were one of the first ones, but are you keeping up with kind of the other breweries out there are there any favorites that you have have you tried any other ones well it's all about balance to me i don't like them if they're too oaky too bourbony or out of balance you know they gotta be smooth on the palate and every component you can taste it like levels you know ding 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 you get caramel as i said before uh, craig and his gang uh, our head bre- brewmaster uh, they decide they want to go to two years full two years aging in the barrel so we had to start staggering and adding more barrels because it doesn't come out every year we gotta have another batch coming forward uh, I like it like nine months, maybe maximum a year. However, you get used to these, and they it really has flavors like sipping, yeah. not port wine, but in that genre of being all kinds of different things in this. Everyone would probably come up with a different term of what they thought were the two or three most important flavors in this. It moves around a little bit. You actually sometimes can get a little fruit, a strong, like a really rich, dark fruit, you know. Yeah, definitely dark fruit, like a, like on the plum, plum raisin and, kind uh, of level. Yeah. Yeah, plum dates. No, it's really tasty. It's, it is a room temperature beer. Since Absolutely. Up, it was just oh, yeah, no, it's, not it's, it's finally getting there. Down. Yep, it's getting yeah, there. It kind of dances on the tongue a little bit, the oh. strength. We're, we're talking 10 to 11 and a half. 10, 11 percent. Yeah, even at that ABV, though, there's not the hotness that you get in some of these. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, 11.9 11. 11. on the bottom. Okay, 11.9. 11.9. So it's up there. So, for sure. yeah, it is. Yeah, that's one thing I do like about the stronger ones is that they should not have. Now, some people go, oh, I like that little burn of the alcohol. I'd rather that be aged long enough that it melts right into the rest of the flavors. You yeah. know? And it helps carry the flavor better, too, because that's more volatile and gets it up in the in the bouquet section here. Gosh, I'm just getting all kinds of things like, uh, almost like, you know, tar and... Yeah, it's it's uh, on that, like, dark fruit, almost tobacco kind of level, you know, like a, like a really Some people wine. would get probably a little tobacco, a little... A little um, little cigar out of it yeah. maybe yeah. i think when you said port wine that that's you know that's kind of on that that same level I, we, we've tasted well, madeira and port are highly oxidized red wine strong red wines mm-hmm. but boy they can get some wonderful flavors going it's like single malt scotch you know the best ones you don't need to drink them just keep in enjoying that <laughs> unbelievable bouquets so uh we had that one no i like the amber not ice cold also so you get the maltiness and little touches of fruit from fermentation the fermentation byproduct the little extra fruity ester in there 
Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Amber. Uh, you, you definitely brought it up when we asked you to take over our taps on the Tap Takeover podcast. It's, it's one of those beers to tell your story, and it really is. It's it's become a flagship beer for you. It's got to be one of your biggest sellers. It, it's one of the biggest sellers. Black and Triple are real close to it now. Yeah, the Amber has been a long time uh, our biggest seller. has that kind of mild uh, bitterness in the backside to finish with the hops. It's definitely on the caramel, roasty, toasty, and then a little bit of fruit bouquet from the fermentation, finishing with a little mild lingering bitterness there. Yeah, and at only 5%, you know, super drinkable, nice summer beer as we're getting into it. Yeah, it's absolutely a great patio pounder. Well, I think it, I think that's a good segue into summer beer aspect of your... Let's talk about the Traveling Beer Garden. It's been something that's been missing in Milwaukee for a long time. Was Sprecher the first one to kind of get back into that whole beer garden... Yes, it kind of started this way. We wanted to get some more kind of outlets for beer. I started looking at some Stuba things that could be licensed, but you got to be careful because we only get allowed certain licenses in the state. And so I go going, oh, we want to do some events, so let's look at these tap trailers that are more decked out, you know, more detail. Well, when I was looking at that, I ran, I'm, I'm a big auction guy, and some of our uh, some of my workers here learned to check the, uh, the, the list of what's available out there, too, and know where to go. And all of a sudden they go, oh, we see this community is, op- is selling their fire truck and matching ambulance. I go, fire truck? That's the answer. We're fire brood. I've always built fire brood stainless kettles. We're building, by the way, a few guys have been back there, a great big one, 4,500 gallons back here for concentrate production for soda. I go, well, I've always done fire brewing with a kettle, so a fire truck makes perfect sense with a matching out, uh, ambulance. Now, Jeff Hamilton, our president, he'd been with us about, he's almost 12 years, around 12 years. He started getting the idea. He was talking to the county and said, oh, yeah, we're going to develop this. Uh, yeah, these ambulances. So we actually have maybe at least four now, and uh, we're working on another one uh, because we got outside communities want to use these for fundraisers. You can imagine going to the community to raise money, and we let the fire department, the firemen, become your bartender to raise money for the fire department or police people, uh, the police department for the community, and, and that's a good way to do it, is taking the 40-foot shipping containers and cutting it up. We, are, we got it all blueprinted, everything. We did total engineer drawings to meet code in most any place you could in the United States and convert these into portable bars that, that lift up windows and all this stuff around in a container. So it's all ready to go like a mobile home. All you do is run sewer, water, uh, gas if you need it and plop it down and hook it up. We're getting ready to do this at some guy's big athletic yard. Well, yeah, I actually we heard just about that. At yeah. the, it's at The Rock. That's the first one that's going to be the uh, pilot project or whatever you want to call it. So what are the long-term plans? Because even at the at the entry level at The Rock, there's already thoughts of going nationwide. Is that kind of the, the oh, end no. game? That, 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 those are to say nationwide. I mean, we just community-wide is big enough. <laughs> okay. we, we might go other places who desire this item to be at their, their facility. The thing about it is that once you manufacture these and get it down, you just pop them out as they're fully, you know, all the equipment and everything. You just go to a site and plop it down and plug it in and you're ready to, you're ready to have a full bar with uh, full features if you want. Wash sink, we could have a bathroom on it. They're already designing one. They'll fit on top of the other with a little stairway cut through to go to the top and you can, you can party on top or party out front. <laughs> That's awesome. So, out in California, is there any possibility of a second location out there? Not for brewing. We do, mind you, I, I brew up sodas 
and concentrate. And then we reconstitute. This is so I don't have to have so many big tanks around here for all this stuff. We make it five-fold. So your root beer concentrate, which we sell back in the box all over the place uh, to vendors that have uh, post-mix systems. So we send it out there. All, all I do out there is make up concentrate into draft. We have a pretty big root beer draft market uh, in the California market out there. I mean, they do, we do like three to 500 of these half barrels at a time uh, on these batches are pretty big. And, and I sell my flavor to other parties in a concentrate form. So do you still have any passion for home brewing? Do you still uh, get the itch to brew up a little five, 10 gallon batch? Well, it's a lot of work and I'm a little older, so <laughs> I got it with my wife and she was going, oh my gosh, cooking's a lot of problems, but this is even more mess, it's sticky. So we've done a few. I, more, more often though, I'm thinking about what we can do to um, complex certain profiles, you know. Work with Craig, he's just done a marvelous job, like this pills. This pills is hard to make come out that kind of balance and malt and all those flavors. Now we're just opening a malt duck. This is fun beer, not serious beer. This is not for serious beer drinkers. So before we get to try the malt duck, you had an article that you did uh, with the founder of Bell's a couple years ago where you stated that you challenge your people to forecast on a two-year plan with what will be popular. So what does this plan currently look like for Sprecher? Well, guess what? That plan has become the most, it's like looking into a bank of fog. I mean, <laughs> I, I challenge anybody to say what's going to be popular other than the hoppy, that, that's going to end. It's already slowing down out west where it all started. Really? Oh, so absolutely. About the new oh, yeah. You know, know what the big news thing is? Is loggers and our pills. <laughs> that's yeah. where they want to go. Drinkability. Uh, some of those got to be a little out of balance, by the way. I, I don't like all the IPs are being produced. Some are just too overboard one way or the other. Now, this is not like for Jason. This is for slamming. You're just drinking and trying to get the finish. <laughs> of, uh, he's, so this, is, this is definitely fun beer. Malt Duck is a registered product yesteryear. It fell out of favor. People here used to have it in this market. It, it actually, for a little while, I think it was made up in La Crosse. It, it went out and it's gone. But again, it's the kind of... And, you can imagine a little. If you want to juice it up in a little vodka, you want a little difference, you know. <laughs> well, hey, here's a more, more, more party in the glass, right? How about uh, cheers? Cheers to the duck, gentlemen. Yes. Cheers, cheers to the duck. Quack, 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 quack. quack. <laughs> Who did that? Was that you, Randy? Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do a good duck call. <laughs> That's refreshing. Yeah. Was well, really it's, yeah. again. You can't call this like. Oh, this isn't this the is kind of beer you want to fun. promote. No, this is one we want to slam drink right. while we're we're. Joshing and carrying around and whatever you're doing. It goes good to get a parched throat under control. <laughs> so whose idea was this, Randy? Was this yours or is this Greg? Or this one actually was pretty unusual. This came from the distributor what? who used to have this years ago, and they go, "Gosh, we gotta get you a product here. Everything is so crazy out there. We see your quite frankly our sales number has been dropping. You can't hardly find us. We gotta get back in there. And but now people are done. They, they're testing things, right? Mm -hmm. Just this test. That. Control groups, when you get right? done, you go, well, okay, I had that. Where am I going to go back to? Oh, I can go back to the, some of the standards I know I, I love and enjoy, which is the Midwest, basically. They like things that they're comfortable with. They know and understand and know what to expect from it. And so, when they put their money down, they know what they're going to get for it. So if bringing back something old school like the malt duck, what do you what do you see for the future in the next couple of years in craft brewing? I think that uh, 
It's a really a crapshoot here, but I'm I'm guessing that we're going to do more composite mix things. We're still looking for really nice flavors and drinkable product, you know, things that people are interested in. And of course, they went nuts on hops. And they're still going nuts on hops because they never really had much hops in domestic beer. In fact, if you could find the hops, you were lucky. I mean, you you had a better palate than somebody else because there wasn't much in there. We would we were using maybe one one and a half pounds per barrel of softer hops uh, yesteryear. Uh, the best beer we made at pass was you know the ondecker which had a whole european profile and secondary fermentation and so on so where's it going we know that we're not going to probably run out of margin on strong products barrel age uh as limited as some of these beers are don't you think even at some of these high prices beer is still a great value beer is a great value so if all you're interested in is trying to get people to try something new and different you just make up Lots of fancy labels and names, but the real <laughs> bottom line at the end of the day, we, we, we're all interested in what's inside the inside the package. Uh, we want to put it inside us. <laughs> all right. Speaking of putting good stuff inside us. Okay, anyway. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's take, a, let's take a little break. We'll reset, and uh, we'll be back with some more special tastings with Brandy Sprecker. Welcome to another edition of Beer News. Today's easily accessible beer is Antihero from Revolution Brewing out of Chicago. This flagship IPA is supremely aromatic, crisp, and drinkable. This iconic ale features a blend of Chinook, Centennial, Crystal, and Citra to create a crisp, clean bitterness and imparts massive floral and citrus aromas. The Warrior Hop is also used to add additional bitterness to the brew. It was a must-grab on trips to Illinois for the TTP crew before Revolution's distro market expanded to Wisconsin last summer. If you are impressed with this one, make sure you check out their Rotating Hero line that singles out specific hops throughout the year as well. In brewery news, Oso Brewing Company's new brewery in the East Park Commerce Center is moving forward. The Stevens Point Common Council voted unanimously to approve a development agreement between the city and the brewery. It's a benefit to the entire community that we can help a small local company expand in this area, said Stevens Point Mayor Mike Wizza. Following the meeting, the new facility will include a brewery, taproom, VIP area available for parties and meetings, and a barrel aging cellar. The grounds will boast an outdoor beer garden with a seasonal outdoor bar and eventually a kickball diamond and a disc golf course. Walking past Paths would be incorporated through a fruit orchard, which would provide fruit for specialty barrel-aged beers and a hops field. No word yet on when they break ground, but this is huge news for fans of Oso. Funky Buddha Brewery, the fastest-growing craft brewery in Florida, started by a pair of South Florida-raised brothers, has been sold. The purchaser, Constellation Brands, is the third-largest beer brewer in the United States, which owns brands such as Corona Extra and Modella Negra. The announcement was made last week, and the sale price has not yet been disclosed. It's the latest example of large corporate breweries buying their way into a local market by purchasing a startup brand. The most noticeable example was Anheuser-Busch's InBev purchasing Chicago startup Goose Island for nearly $40 million in 2011. This may be good news, however, for craft beer fans outside of Florida. The deal likely means Funky Buddha will be distributed much more widely because the local beer will now have access to a national distribution network. Funky Buddha is known for its culinary inspired beers fusing wild combinations into brews fans line up to buy this at special release parties at their brewery the maple bacon coffee porter which tastes like 
boozy breakfast in a bottle, garnered such wide acclaim that the brewery plans on an annual party in celebration. But it's the brewery's core beers, such as Hoppy Hop Gun IPA and Floridian Hefeweizen, that helped the name spread into the mainstream and grocery stores. In beer releases, Boulevard Brewing out of Kansas City is releasing a new seasonal milk stout named Tough Kitty. It leads with flavors of chocolate and caramel thanks to the beer's malt bill. Rolled oats and lactose ensure this beer is silky smooth. Subtle hopping with Bravo and Cascade creates just enough bitterness to prevent the beer from being overly cloying. Deep black in color, Tough Kitty opens with aromas of bittersweet chocolate, espresso, and toffee that transition to flavors of the same. The addition of lactose and non-fermentable sugar works with the rolled oats to deliver a creamy, lingering finish. It sounds delicious and will be available in the Wisconsin market. Mid-August every year also marks the beginning of the annual Oktoberfest beer rollout. Everyone has their favorites. Some of our local favorites go to Sprecher, Water Street, Staghorn from New Glarus, and new to the scene, the Explorium in Greendale. In festival news, September 16th gives you two festivals to choose from. For our friends to the north, beautiful Door County hosts the Egg Harbor Ale Fest. Enjoy craft beers from 40 different brewers. There will be more than 100 different craft beers to sample. Bring your friends for a fun day of tasting and sampling. The event runs from 1 to 5, with early admission available available to VIP guests at noon. And for our friends to the south, Racine has its annual Great Lakes Brew Fest at the Racine Zoo. It's their 12th year and it features unlimited sampling of more than 250 craft beers and sodas from nearly 100 brewers on the beautiful shores of Lake Michigan. All paid attendees will receive a souvenir tasting glass. There will also be food served by local restaurants that will be available for purchase. This festival also features live music, including performances by the world-renowned Kilties Drum and Bugle Corps, and has an awesome selection of home brews. September 29th, Ale Asylum in Madison has its annual Ferment and Descent Imperial Stout Festival. $25 ticket gets you a live performance by Reverend Horton Heat. A commemorative 16-ounce logo glass, a 6-ounce sample pour of each Imperial Stout, access to one-of-a-kind age releases and vertical tastings, and free perks throughout the festival. And this has been Beer News. All right, thanks for the beer news, Andy. Always awesome. And we are back from one of the coolest places I've seen. Well, actually, figuratively and literally, we are just back from the, the Sprecher. What are we going to call this, Jimbo? Uh, I would say cellar cooler. And what did, we, what did we bring back? Give us a rundown here. Uh, we have... My eyes are still bugging out here, so you have to forgive me. It's just yeah. amazing This what is we like got Indiana right Jones returning from the cave with, uh, with <laughs> yeah. the Holy Grail. It was something. almost actually like the warehouse yeah, at the end. Get in there. That little dragon was kind of tough. <laughs> that dragon was a uh, sucker, yeah. Randy has been so generous with us uh, in this episode. We're going to be starting off here with a 2010 uh, Belgian-style duple, uh, and then we're on to a 2014 Doppelbach, and then... Uh, some real treats here just to make every listener jealous two two different years of the the imperial stout yes two different years so we have an 07 and then 2014 ris and to wrap it up a 2014 generation porter okay well everything's about three years or more uh, well let's get started here well let's start with this one uh yeah what were your impressions that you you think you're not very high on this one right expectations aren't very high i I think we're worried about this one yeah this isn't a Belgian type that is known to hold up a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, by the way, everyone talks about German pilsners and stuff, but they have soft, delicate pills in Belgium. No one talks about the Belgian pills. 
the pills could be some of the finest things they make. What are you thinking we're going to get here? You're not very high on this. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be kind of a flabby, soft, flat, no no real big bouquet, no real big uh, malt taste. Yeah, well, maybe some malt taste. We're seven, seven years but down the line it's on the double. all this uh, freshness of fruit bouquet. Oh, this, this beer was just terrific. This is what I told you, the wild runaway fermentation. It was probably the finest we've ever had. Well, it smells good. Does that still? You never know if it's been kept cold huh. the whole time in pasture. That's not bad. Yeah, so even though we're big fans of aging beers here on the Tap Takeover podcast, we do always have disclaimers. It's got to be a strong ABV beer or a wild sour ale that really needs to age. Um, we recommend fresh beers get drunk fresh when they need to be. Yeah, Happy, happy beers... Drink. What what is the ABV on this one, Jim? What uh, according like to the bottle? Six and a half. I think. Six and a half. Okay. So yeah, it's well under where you would typically mm. age a beer, but honestly, it hasn't it hasn't gone over. It's not terrible. Well, it's not it's terrible. terrible. I'm sure it's not where it. I'm it's sure it's not, not kind of flat on the palate. Yeah. But it has. I've had some. I've had home brews and some other crap brews that weren't as good. So you can tell it had a real nice structure underneath because it's still got kind of a balance going. Even though it's kind of lost its bouquet, it's lost its peak malt characters. You don't get any toastiness. Uh, a double should have, you know, a lighter chocolate, some nice medium toast uh, character. And I mean toast like the bread, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when you get over the burnt toast, you know, you get those. It's quite different. So there's definitely some aged notes on here. You get a little uh, papery cardboard flavoring yeah. uh, from being a little Yeah, it's a little soft dry. in the middle and stuff. It is quite old, of course. Yeah, so it's, uh, what did we decide, seven years old or something? Mm-hmm. Seven years. Yeah. For seven years old with that low ABV. Oh, no. I mean, uh, gone, if you didn't have any other beer, you'd be drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it's interesting to taste the remnants that you used to have. You know, having mm-hmm. having yeah. tried the uh, the double tonight and, and trying this uh, this older version of it, uh, I, I bet this was really something when This when, double, when, when young. I was young, though, had way, it was way thinner body, way bigger bouquet, not as big an aftertaste this other one it's just come around the corner to me it wasn't that good of last week has a much more multi-profile but it does still have the little belgian accents that you expect from the culture and our current double this old one seven years old you know it's not like i said it's not something you go oh i can't drink i'm gonna throw it out you go well if there's nothing else i'm gonna still be able to drink it i might put it with a gouda maybe with a gouda oh. cheese a smoked gouda to me and this might might be okay hmm. andy what do you think so I think it's, it's it's not bad. It's it's falling off a bit. Oh, you can tell. But what what I would really like to know is what do you think is the perfect age for one of your doubles? A double uh, doesn't have to be that old. I, I would think six to nine months. But depending on how you make it, it may not fall into place for your palate and senses until uh, a little bit older. Generally, I think six to nine months is plenty. Something like the the quad, the twelve. I mean, that to me is just just not not even close to being the right spot under a year old. Hmm. It has to be over a year. So before we move on to the next one, you actually, like you said, you weren't positive on this one. How often do you keep beer back there? I mean, it's obviously been sitting there for a while. Was that a, intentional? Or? Um, some portions of what you saw back there, that, there was a pallet over next to it mixed too, as right. well as that lockup. And uh, some of them not a lot, are from distributors that have either gone out of business or don't carry us anymore, and they got stuff in their, hey, we got some old your beer we didn't sell. Well, you paid for it. Well, you want to pick it up, so whoever drives back around with it might pick it up, and it, and it come back here. 
Uh, some of these things are really old. They definitely came off someone's cellar or their, their cooler who no longer carry the product or whatever. Or the Dopo? Dopo Bach. How come it's almost empty? <laughs> and you started down there? Oh, it's gone all the way down, yeah. Okay. I yeah. thought you just opened it. Okay. So we're getting into our next one here. Dopo Bach, to me, should be able to, should be able to cut it because as you get older, more oxidized products, you lose the fruit bouquet, but you pick up more and more maltiness. Well, yep. Dopo Bach's already a big malt to begin with. Jimbo, give us uh, give us the year and what your impressions of this one. Okay, so this is 2014. So we've got a three-year-old Dippelbach, uh, 7.5%. Uh, it's got still plenty of malt backbone, but again, under the 8% recommendation as a minimum for aging beers. So we are starting to see a touch of oxidation uh, on the nose, but I think the malt still comes through. You still get a lot of that duple bock, double bock flavoring uh, on the palate. Man, there's not much on that nose, huh? Well, it's, it's getting into the the dark. I think it's too weak. Area. I don't have that much double bock on this one. Is wow. so is so wore down. Uh, but I gotta admit that I've had some much older than this that held up. The, the malts are there in that one. No, another yeah. thing about the beers, of course, is unless we have a real clear idea of where it's been and who had it, yeah. was it out? Did it try to get delivered and was in a case box sitting on the sidewalk in the sun for? Oh, and they go, hey, that's not my <laughs> order. Put it back on the truck. Oh, then it came back here, and then you know a couple of years later, it ends back here with us. This is three years old, and. Um, so uh, to me, they should hold up that long. This one to me is uh, a mess. Hmm. It's not. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's as it's as wore out as the double, which has many more years on it. So we'll move along. <laughs> Right. We've had some oh, of these have been absolutely yeah. exquisite. <laughs> yeah, you know, and light is always a factor too. It could have sat on a shelf, taken well, in a you lot know, of light. Like a good barley wine, yeah. it's really, really smart. Cold, still, and dark is the whole key for aging, but it's really smart to dip these in wax. So it cannot get any more oxygen and it can only degrade to a certain extent. So now. what are your impressions on the wax? We've had varying, like, whether it's just start. aesthetic or it doesn't do anything. What Do you, do you think it does it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely good for absolutely for keeping the oxygen out of the beer. The whole thing is migration to the cap, into the through the the little porosity uh, that oxygen can move through the the sealing material in the cap. That's why they have caps that are uh, have antioxidants added to them that would slowly try to take any oxygen that was included in the bottling process. I, I gotta admit, in the past we pulled out a lot of these old things and thought they were hanging in there pretty good. I think most of these are kind of a miss. Well, well, the uh, first two. Yeah, the first two. I think the first two were the lighter beers. So they, like they had the le- least chance of being oh, absolutely. as good. You know? But you never know. The Dopo, to me, should mm-hmm. make it. We've had Dopos very old, and they've been fine, four, five, six years old. Sure. Okay. No, we're good. All right, moving on to the next one, Jimbo. What do we got here? We're going to do actually two, two Imperial. Russian Imperial. So this one is a, a 2014 and a 20, uh, 2007. So we're going to do seven, uh, seven, yeah, yeah, seven years between these two Imperial Stouts. So basic, you know, same basic beer, just, you know, seven years between. We'll see I, mean, what, I hope see it's what been the aging in the cold storage where we found them all this duration, which I don't think has been the case. Bigger Why do they change? One's a pint, one's a 12 ounce. Well, as we added more outside distributors, they became real demanding about having a Johnny six-pack in their market. And even locally, they were all about that. Also, 
we have a thing in this part of the world that doesn't exist in California. They don't like you having very different prices for different products. So if you've got a big barley wine or something, they want to pay the same price you do for your cheapest uh, light lager. And they don't want it to have that differentialness. It's a different package. And now today's world, they want that on the shelf at all. That seems like a strange approach to uh, to marketing. Well, to, they're to make, yeah. yeah, it's all about how much they can make. You know? Well, here's the uh, 07, and that's the 14. So, Jim, what are your first impressions uh, if you tried both? So, surprisingly, the 07, the head on the 07 is really held up. Well, on the 2014, the head had dissipated much more quickly. So, I don't know if there was a... Well, it might be the glass. Mm. No, I, I think Andy's yeah, got a much bigger head on the 07, right? No, I've got a bigger head on the 14 than the 7. Well, I can tell. I guess the difference for me is between 14 and 7. I think 14 is smokier. 7 is smoother. Um, that's the big difference for me. I don't know. I definitely get a touch of smoke on there. Yeah, yeah they're, the 14, they're both yeah. smoky. <laughs> yeah, they but both I think got four, a touch of 14 smoke. is more than 7. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Andy? Ooh, these are big boys. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean the to cut you The middle of a uh, Russian Imperial boys. style generally has a, if not licorice, licorice root. Licorice root is quite different than licorice made candy. I'm not getting any of that component. We usually pick up a little of that still that lasts a long time in a product like this. I think they're both almost equivalent, despite being seven not, years apart. It's not much difference, honestly, because we've had tastings where we have something two years old, and you can tell the booziness. It's just so different. It's sweeter, less boozy. This is the 07, and i got to admit that uh, it's... I wouldn't call it Russian Imperial Stout too much anymore, but it's still a pretty nice beer. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nice uh, dark lager, or dark dark ale here. I would say the 14 is is drier. There, there's a drier aspect to the mm-hmm. 14, and there may be there may be a hop addition or something that there's still that's still kind of no. hanging around. So I do get a little finish of a, a little. I don't want to call it tartness, but almost like a tartness in the finish. A little more bitterness still lingering that's not in the seven, softened a lot more. But we still have a couple more. Uh, you know what? I have an expectation for the Generation Porter. Oh, okay. And what do you think? I think with our the thing is, uh, you have to have some experience with these things. You know, and we've had some old ones before, very old. Is that the tart, the tart ras we put in that with cocoa? I, I expect that generation porter. I expect that ras to be jumping way up, and when it went way down and it comes back, as happened with the, the tart cherry and my la- the creek lambic. It was totally dry, and today it's got a big cherry. That's got that got some pretty fruit. Has that got fruit in it still? There is huge fruit in this right now. It's amazing how it comes Ooh, back fruit after it goes totally dry and look how old it is it's really kind of goofy how that works i was trying to explain it to myself what oxidative process or or oh wow (laughs) yeah the smell is intense goofy on the on the nose really intense so what uh, jim what is the year on this one uh so this is a 2014 three years old again uh below our generally recommended ABV for aging a beer. But for this, it's uh, def- given the adjuncts added by Randy, the fruit is really coming through on this. They go, oh, boy. They start going drier and drier, and then all of a sudden, I find they, they come back the other way. Yeah, that's super fruity, but uh, like in a really pleasing way. Uh, well, I really get the acid of a tart ras in this. It's really coming through, the acid part. And I think it's maybe the acid was help preserve the fruit character because the, the fruit character is all fruit. It's a balance between sugar and acid changes as the, the fruit ripens. What do you what are you smelling, Andy? 
it's like cherry tartness on the on the nose. That's exactly what I'm getting. It's like from a it. tart sour cherry. Yes. And that has got a raz. But I don't get that that tartness on my on tongue. The, on your tongue, no. At all. No, it's really weird because yeah, it totally smells cherry, but then it tastes raspberry. Raps. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's odd. <laughs> it, it really It's a it, curveball. Yeah, it, it throws your it throws your tongue off a little oh, bit. Oh, here it comes. Could yeah. get rid of a high pitch. Oh, it dropped onto my knees. Could there <laughs> potentially be a touch of sourness going on that's enhancing the fruit? Just seems a little bit. It like could be, but a, the sourness would have to be here initially. We our pastures, okay. they, we have a flash in it that does awfully good. Oh, okay. you know, our long-term testing is that we don't have nothing grows in there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so if it's if it's from lactobacillus or something, I'd say it's, it's non-existent in that. Actually, that's another one, though. If it wasn't, if you didn't have any expectations for this product when it was fresh, this is you go, oh yeah, I can drink this one. It, again, this to me is going to go with some other things. You know what I'm thinking? Toast, toast points with uh, pate, Ooh. liver pate. Yes. Oh, you're speaking oh, yeah. my language, yeah. Randy. One question I actually have is going to tie from one piece of merch you have and do one of our favorite festivals. One of my favorite shirts from you guys is Get Me a Firkin' Beer. And our favorite festival is Firkin' Fest. What's some of the favorite firkins that Sprecher has done? Oh, we've done a lot of firkins. But you know what? I don't want to talk about the favorites. I'm going to talk about what firkin is. Everyone is screwed up about what a firkin is. The, the, the publican or the tavern owner yesterday or even currently in England, you get their beer delivered and they pull the side bung and they put their own addition in the beer. The addition could be a culture. It could be a fruit. It could be some stuff out of the garden, whatever. And then he lets it develop. And when he thinks it's what he wants to serve, he raises, he pulls up his flag. And when you're going home or whatever, you see the flags up. Oh, the firkin's ready. Because you know, like a growl or anything else, once you tap it, you don't screw around. You drink the whole damn it's thing. Done. Yeah. It's just going to go <laughs> flat and go to shit. So that's what the firkin is, is about the publican's addition and his handling of this. Now, certain ones became well known to be doing really nice work. And others just totally throw the dog in there and try to sell it. You know, they go, oh, that lazy fart. And the other guys, oh, where did you get that? I got this special Dutch culture I added with this other hop. And again, when it comes around, it's ready to go, and the bouquet's right, and everything, and the gas is up, boom, let's drink it. So you tap that thing and drink it. Now, the Traveling Beer Garden, we tap a modern, not a firkin, it's a pin, 10, 11 gallons. And those are always fun. And we have a contest, always line them up, because everybody's there for their free beer. The county makes a free 11-gallon offering, you know, 10 or 11, I think it is. And uh, we see how fast we can empty it, which means everyone's getting laid with your glass and your steins ready to go because we don't <laughs> put it on the ground. I, I, oh, on the floor, ow. <laughs> well, I have a whole set of wooden kegs at Old World, uh, Old World, Old World Wisconsin. I loaned them uh, some of my wooden belt of German kegs. So we're, it's, it's a work in progress, but we're brewing outdoors, malting outdoors, all this stuff from the raw and making uh, beer like you did way back. They were talking about aging it. I go, aging it? I think as soon as it's fermented, you start drinking. <laughs> I mean, oh, we don't have any bacteria. I go, that, that's really hard to keep out. I, I suggest that that's a false uh, idea that there's nothing in it. But anyhow, that's going out there at Old World, Wisconsin, where we're going to start. They already started all this brewing process stuff and then sampling the beers later on and having guest beers as well. It's a little bit of a drive, but everything's being done, again, in 1850s format with outfits and everything. So it should be a lot of fun. You can always go there and take your 
good fresh beer. <laughs> Enjoy it while they're working on the stuff that they put together. I, I, I believe that's the last of our beers here for this uh, the special tasting well, with Randy Well, i got to admit that I uh, was not as impressed as I was hoping to be because we've had these kind of aged things before and been overwhelmed by how much more flavor and bouquet we had, which was not the original, but still quite acceptable. These tend to be uh, more on the flat side, although the uh, Generation Porter still had all kinds of things going on. Other things to tell your, your friends and family out there who's listening about this Belgian quad that's out from Sprecher, Inkle, the Double, the Triple, and the Quad. They're all uniquely different, well-balanced, well-made. We're not allowing it to be broken apart and sold separately. you got to buy the four-pack. Go get the progression pack. The Belgian progression, yes. Actually, actually it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, and you agree? I, I think that Enkel is a great summer drinker, yes, boy. Yes. You know, I, I would actually say grab two four-packs. One, uh, <laughs> one so you can drink it now and one so you can drink it now, after a year Now, you're a real genuine so. promoter, Alex. Why do you like that? You know? <laughs> Don't stop I, short of the full deck. You know? <laughs> I, I, I'm just a man who uh, likes to do collect beers. Do I look like beers. I could carry more beer home? <laughs> yes, I can. Pile yes, it on. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, so. But honestly, I, I would say that the, the porter tonight held up really well, and I would say the Imperial Stouts also held up really well. All right, guys. Well, I think that is that's going to be it for us. We've, yeah, uh, we finished. Quite a session. We finished all the beers, all the sodas, <laughs> all the everything. Randy, thank you so much for yeah. sitting down with yeah, us. Yeah, we're really, really pleased that you could take time to come visit us. Uh, we're very honored. We're really hoping that fans out there uh, have a lot of faith in your perspective and your comments. And well, despite all the new young breweries come back and check out what Sprecher is doing today. We got so much new stuff and we're always creating uh, different things. And check out the variety that goes on those traveling beer garden. We keep switching it around and so you can get quite a quite a range. Enjoy the rest of the great summer weather. And I always want to bring up about and and the term that was used all the time and seems to be falling off, but we want to bring it back. Milwaukee is full of gemüklichkeit, and that's all there is to it. We know how to party, we know how to have fun, and we know how to get along with our neighbor. And that's what it's all about. Life doesn't get any better. And if you think you're going to have more money and bigger things, bigger toys, no. Your friendship and your fun and your jokes are uh, what really pay the bills, man. That's what life's all about. Hey, cheers, oh, cheers, 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 cheers to Gamutlikites, huh? Cheers to Gamutlikites. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. And that that says it all for us for uh, for the Tap Takeover podcast for me for Alex. I'm Jesus. Andy. I'm Jim. And Randy. Yes. <laughs> cheers, guys. Prost. Thank you so much. Prost. Prost.